Hello, High Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and today we're in the end of chapter 4. We're in verses 31 through 44, where we read this. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess! Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what the diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, he begged, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because it is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Dave, we have come to yet another passage uh, about demons. I know how much you uh, love these. And I know a, a lot of us, you know, modern, postmodern people come to these passages and, and we wonder, you know, what are we supposed to do with this? What are, what are they talking about? Is this, just, is this just some type of primitive understanding and worldview that we're supposed to get past? Do we translate these things as mental illnesses or something like that, you know? I remember one person saying, and I thought this was helpful, he said, hey, if you have a problem with the devil, just drop the D. You know, we believe in evil, even if we don't necessarily believe in a personification in the devil. Um, I, I've heard another person uh, uh, describe these as kind of being a spiritual metaphor for things like diseases and and uh, mental illnesses, things that we have more naturalistic explanations for. Uh, he gave an example uh, in the mission field where there was a woman who was very sick, had a large lump in her throat. And they had, as missionaries, they had to get permission to bring this woman with them to the city uh, to have her see a doctor and, and perhaps get surgery. And so they agreed to let them go, let this woman go with them. And they eventually did get surgery. And they were trying to describe to the people in the town what had happened and to describe to them in 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 language that they understood, because they didn't understand medical science, they, they explained that, well, the high priest came in with his ceremonial gown and his ceremonial mask, and the priestesses were surrounding him, and they gave him the ceremonial knife, and he, he cut into the woman, 
uh, after putting her into a into a deep spirit sleep, he cut into the woman, wrestled with the demon and removed it from her. And that's why she has the scar on her neck. But now she has been healed. She had thyroid cancer and had they had removed that. And so he was saying that, you know, this this uh, mystical language they were using was was that a lie? Was it the truth? Uh, and he was arguing that it was the truth as they could understand it, that all of us have limitations in our worldview and, and God speaks to us in a way that accommodates the limitations in that worldview. And, and perhaps that is an explanation for a number of instances. But one thing about this particular instance uh, that doesn't seem to fit that model is that the demon, not just the one demon, but the the rest of them later too, seem to know Jesus's name. There's a there's a personality behind these forces. The demon talks and and uh, um, and knows that Jesus's identity is something that the people wouldn't know, but knows that he is the Holy One of God. Uh, and this really amazes people when he casts the demon out. But interestingly enough, it's not because he's casting out a demon. They had uh, we have records of exorcists at that time and, and and what people did and what people experienced. It's not the casting out of the demon that's amazing the people. It seems to be that he's able to use his own authority, the same authority that was apparently present in his teaching. He's able to use his own authority to just use his words to cast out the demon. The historical examples that we have, uh, there seem to be two approaches to casting casting out a demon people would put. Uh, something, something you use something really, really repulsive, like they would take these really nasty smelling roots and stick it up people's noses, or they would use physical punishment, something really uh, repulsive and maybe even harmful to the to the victim, and and this would force the demon out. Another approach was to invoke the name of a more powerful spiritual force in order to threaten that demon, in order to have them leave. Uh, but Jesus doesn't appeal to a, a higher power or anything. It seems that he has his own authority, which is, again, just like with his teaching, is the thing that seems to amaze them, that he can just say, get out, and they do, and he can tell them to be silent, uh, and they are. And we have the instance where Simon's mother is healed. Uh, I preached a sermon on this passage from another gospel at one point, and just how it seems to be the, the main point about it is she's healed in, in order to begin immediately serving. She prepares a meal from that. She's she's saved in order to serve. We we think that God is here to serve us uh, quite often. And, and certainly Jesus is a servant. Uh, but one of the ways that Jesus serves us is by enabling us to serve alongside Jesus as well. And that's immediately what she begins to do. And that kind of gets to, I think, maybe the heart of this passage. And that is that we can often get sidetracked and, and enamored with kind of the spectacle and the miracles and the demons and all of this. But that's not really what Jesus says is central to all of this. They want him to stay there. They love the miracles. They love the healings. And, and, and who wouldn't? But Jesus says what's really important of all this is, is, you know, these are in essence signs that are pointing to the, the validity of this important message that he's bringing. He needs to go to the other towns in Judea to bring this message to the other, other synagogues to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. It's really the good news about the kingdom, ultimately, that is the thing that is important. The other things are signs meant to point to that. But when we place our focus on that, uh, to the exclusion of the message of Jesus, we really get kind of distracted, which um, actually is what happens when Jesus gets to the town of uh, Nazareth that uh, Taylor and I talked about yesterday, that they uh, they were distracted by that. And they were really focusing on wanting these miracles, but instead Jesus has come to bring these miracles in order that this teaching would be validated. And that's the real purpose. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. Well, I mean, I feel like you covered so many of the, the important points here. Um, 
I think it's very interesting that, you know, the, and we see this even more clearly in the Gospel of Mark. I think Mark maybe makes this a bigger deal. Um, but that Jesus, it, it, it does not want the demons to basically give away his identity. I, I would think, if, you know, if I'm the Messiah, I want everybody to know, like, hey, I mentioned that I'm the Messiah. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when people go to Harvard, they're like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, back when I was at Harvard, uh, you know, because like we want people to, we're trying to like boast about it. But but Jesus has the exact opposite. He's uh, he's trying to, 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 to kind of keep it quiet because it will color the way that people experience him, that they give him a sense of expectations and, uh, and, and sort of shoehorn him into an identity that they've imagined that is not exactly consistent with what he actually is going to be. And so there's a way that he wants people to actually discover who he actually is without this layer of, of, uh, of I think, false expectation. Um, so we just keep seeing that, that very interesting thing where he's telling the, the demons, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Until finally there's a point at which he turns around and actually tells the, the disciple, okay, now tell everybody, right, that there's a, a time that it's okay to suddenly release all of this. But in the beginning of his ministry, he knew that it would be he'd sidetrack him. Um, the, uh, I, I just am so glad you brought up this idea about uh, Simon's mother-in-law being healed. And then immediately she gets up to, to begin to serve people. Uh, and, and I think, you know, there's something really beautiful about that, that the point of the miracle is not so that I can feel great. The point of the miracle is so that I'm in a place, the point of any kind of healing, right? Whether it's a dramatic physical healing or it's a spiritual healing or whatever it is that God does in our lives. The point of it is to actually equip us to now participate with him in his kingdom, as you said. And I think that we so often get that wrong. We, we have this self-centered view. Lord, help me. Whereas I think the view that we're seeing here is, uh, Lord, equip me so that I can help others, right? And, and I think that's such a different view. Am I praying that, you know, I would have, uh, you know, get, get a job where I make more money in, in order that I have more money? Or because I'm so eager to give more away, I'm so eager to serve God with, with in these other means that, hey, I'm really excited about a raise because of the things that's going to allow me to do, not just for me, but in fact, for other people. I think, you know, that's kind of the, the that distinction. But as I was saying earlier, I, I think that, uh, you know, we see this tendency that all these people now can see what Jesus can do, right? So they're bringing all their sick. They're bringing all their demon possessed. They're so excited, but they're, they're missing Jesus in that, right? They're seeing Jesus's power, but they're missing Jesus's personhood, right? Like, who he really is. And, and they're so excited that, oh, look, I got healed from this disease that they're missing the point. Yeah, God was right in front of you. And you missed that because you were so excited about your bum knee, right? Get, getting better finally. And, and I think that's the way that so oftentimes, even in our own prayers, like, I, you know, I can get so caught up in the things I want God to do for me that I somehow lose focus and lose awareness of the fact I'm talking to God. God. The creator of, of the universe, the knower of all things. God is listening to me. Right? I just it's incredible. Uh, and so and, and then I think finally, as these crowds come back and they, hey, we want more of this. Jesus don't, you know, they verse 30, uh, 42, they begged him not to leave, not because like, oh, we're so excited, God's finally here. We get to to you know, be restored to fellowship with you, we get to experience intimacy with you. No, it's Hey, look, I, I mentioned my bad back. I, oh, gosh, I got this disc. 
Uh, and, and it was this sort of reduction that they are missing the real good news, right? Those little tastes were, in a sense, the, the evidence of who he was, which would point to something much bigger. I think you said in recent devotion, you know, that so oftentimes, you know, if you, you know, kind of are trying to talk to a dog and say, hey, you know, go over there. Instead of looking where you're pointing, the dog looks at your finger. And I think that's what the, so many of these people are doing is they're looking at the finger, right? Which is the miracles. But the miracles are supposed to point at something. The Messiah is here. God is here among us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, but I think that today we can make we can make those exact same mistakes. Hmm. And and we we certainly do. And you know, like as you were think as you were talking through this, I, I I kept thinking back to that category. I don't know who came up with it, but this idea that we want God uh, to work for us, but we don't often think about the miracle of God working in and through us to serve others as well. And that's actually even the greater miracle that just like with uh, Simon's mother, Peter's mother, that uh, she's able to be restored and she gets it. She gets it in a way. And maybe that's why Peter ultimately becomes equipped to be the leader of the disciples for everything that he gets wrong. Maybe it's that kind of spiritual parenting that he received, that he understood that, yeah, my life is not my own. My life belongs to mm -hmm. God. And I really intended to, to serve. God is, God is serving me. Yes. But so that I can join God in serving others. Yeah. I think that's, that sounds right. Although I don't know how much his mother-in-law would have raised him. Sorry, mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, most men don't really listen to their mothers-in-law very well. But my mother-in-law <laughs> listens to this, and I just want you to know I listen to you a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I'm going to close the prayer. <laughs> Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for you, and it is amazing, amazing that you listen to us, that you care for us, not just that you help us, that, Lord, you, you want to help us, that you see us, that you know us. God, you know us better than we know ourselves. Not only are you with us, Lord, but you are always with us. You never leave us. You'll never abandon us, never forsake us. What an incredible promise. God, you are marvelous, but you are so much more than your miraculous abilities. You are love. God, we are thankful. So thankful that you've come close to us. We pray all of this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What an incredible message that we get to be restored to serve alongside the God who saves. Go in peace.